Welcome to the Pastors Podcast. Pastor Scott here with Pastors Brian and Matt. Hey, Scott, do you still have COVID? Yeah, so by here, I mean <laughs> on Zoom together. <laughs> because we are not actually in the same place. But we're podcasting nonetheless. Um, we so, are. So I guess we got to get this out of the way. Brian on didn't Sunday, even say hi. Brian didn't say hi. hi. Say, say hi, Brian. Hi. So on Sunday, I said that I tested negative and that's why I preached on Sunday because I did test negative on Thursday. I got a rapid test, took a PCR test. The PCR test result didn't come back, but the rapid test was negative, was feeling better, preached. And then Sunday night, I got a positive uh, COVID PCR test result back, which was kind of a surprise. So... Did you, I, you know, I didn't mean to, um, throw that out there. Did you, did you mean I was to, planning on it. That's oh, you fine. were planning That's on fine. it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just didn't want to, uh, I don't want to break those HIPAA laws. Let the people do what well, you, you broke a HIPAA law, but it's okay. <laughs> HIPAA can be forgiven. Was it HIPAA or hippo? I've always said hippo. <laughs> we got a lot of laws. doctors. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, huge, yeah. Scary laws. Like, you have no idea what you're talking about. We don't. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's been, so it's been an interesting week around the Mel household. Yeah, how are you doing? Uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm doing fine. I, I have a little bit of a cough. It was you know for me very minor. I'm super thankful for that. Um, kind of like a, a a cold. Addison's got it too now, but um, the rest of our family seems to have steered clear. And so, um, but for the sake of I don't know the like ten days, just being like extra careful, not passing around. I'm I'm been working from home this week, and so the fact that I'm podcasting from my backyard again. Um, it's a little bit triggering if I if I'm going to be completely honest. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know this 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 light blue background wall back here behind me. There's just lots of memories. Are you colorblind? Is that blue? It's like a it is bluish gray. It's it's, yeah. it's bluish gray. It's the oh, color okay. of my house. Okay. Well, I I don't know what the color of your house is. Can I you think I remember the colors of people's houses? Not me. Do you me. think that Scott got his house color wrong? Uh, if he's colorblind, he could have, <laughs> if he's colorblind, he could have, but it's triggering. Why Scott? Because, uh, just because it, I, I actually, it was, um, I was, I had a couple of complicated conversations, phone conversations early in the week, pacing around my backyard. And I felt like that's what I did for a year of my life. Um, yeah. and it, and you know, which is interesting because I, we had scheduled to have this, um, podcast conversation about the missional hospitality series. And I still want to want to talk about that. I think we're going to, we'll talk about it either in this or in um, our next one on Sunday. But I think a lot of people are experiencing this where the circumstances of particularly just the last couple of weeks feel eerily similar. Like there's a lot of fear of things getting closed down. There's a lot of fear of like, what, wait, what does this mean? There's a lot of complications when things said, even if things weren't over, we'd at least like reached a, uh, sense of, we knew what to expect. Yeah. And, um, I think this is really, uh, whether it's like their, their own sickness or something like that, or just the situation in general, the schools and everything like that is, uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been interesting. Is your neighbor, your neighbor is not, um, 
like cutting down any trees or uh, using the lawnmower or what that used to happen all the time. You used to have like every crazy elder birds meeting, too. every morning, elder, elder meeting, every, every elder, elder meeting. meeting. Our elder meetings were scheduled at the same time that my neighbor's gardener was scheduled. And so, yeah, yeah that was a, that was a consistent thing. Although actually my neighbor's gardener did come a different neighbor's gardener came early this morning before our previous pastoral meeting. Mm. Um, and I was like, not again. Not again. <laughs> <laughs> Too much. Too much. Oh man. So no, it's it's nice and, and, and quiet out here in my in my backyard right now. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. I'm glad to hear it. What do you what are you thinking over there, Brian? Uh I, I triggering is an interesting word. Um <laughs> yeah, I think I mean that's my experience a little bit right now. Um I think it's I think it's a lot of people's. I think that in a weird way, it's not worse. Um, but when, you know, a year ago when things were shut down, they were shut down to some degree across the board. Like you had this, like my kids were not in school and, you know, there was working from home or whatever. And that the question was, when's that going to end? Um, and then, you know, later on it was like, well, they're back in school for this different set of times, this different set of things. And that's going to end that's you know, summer break and then so on and so forth. And now, um, I think for a lot of people, myself included, we're finding more people in our immediate circle um, getting sick with COVID than before. There just seems like it's 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 closer than it's been in the past um, for a lot of people, not everyone. Or at least testing positive. Yes, yeah, sort of- yeah. There's some sort of positive tests in your immediate sphere are a lot more common. I have a lot of kids, so like, I think every one of them has had at least one, if not more than one letter sent home. Someone in class has tested positive. They are, or they aren't a close contact, yada, yada, yada. Like it's just, it feels like it's everywhere in a way that it didn't feel that way before. Yeah. But more than anything, um, it feels like a positive diagnosis for you, someone in your family or someone near you can upset the apple cart in a way that it wouldn't have before. Like before it, 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 maybe it was more, it felt more like a health risk. And again, there's different, you know, vaccine status and all these different things. But like now for my family, uh, all of, except for the youngest are fully vaccinated. Um, the, the issue feels less like, is someone going to get really seriously sick? Um, and a lot more like, okay, if one of them catches this or tests positive, then they can't go to school. And then what happens to our schedule with a bunch of other kids and the therapy, some of those kids are in the activities they're in and the driving schedule. And then the next kid catches it possibly and test positive and the testing delays. Like there's just this way that um, exposure and, or getting COVID just feels to me at least right now, really logistically heavy. And like these, the kind of um, the sense of uh, the, the, the sense of some stability um, is like, that might not be there in the drop of a, of a hat, um, because of the protocols that are in place, the different things that happen, especially with schooling and things that go on. Yeah. And it's a little bit challenging, right? I, I, obviously COVID is very serious illness. This latest situation seems a lot more mild, which praise God for, but there's still deaths. I mean, we mm-hmm. just, um, heard about someone close in our fam, our church family here who lost a loved one, um, yesterday. So, there's still the serious sickness side of things, although it is less serious than it was previously, which is great and praise the Lord for that. And so a lot of the 
I guess you have to kind of the, the whole all encompassing side of COVID and two years of a pandemic and taking steps forward and feeling like, you know, I remember that we had a month in June where we didn't have masks. If you were yep. vaccinated, that was crazy. That was like, you know, just, so you had like all these like different um, and, and it felt like maybe coming towards in the fall, it was like, okay, maybe we're coming to this point where we, we you know, you kind of like, we can breathe and really take steps forward and people are coming out of their shells a little bit more and back into the swing of things and offices are opening up and schools are back and like there's different logistical things. And then this felt like, Oh, we're taking 10 steps backwards. Um, and maybe, you know, I don't know, you have a hundred kids or whatever in your family. So <laughs> like any, any sickness is disruptive, right? Any, yeah. any cold or flu yeah. or other things is disruptive, but there's a lot of other rules associated with this kind of situation and logistics that make certain things undoable, not doable. It just, it seems like the, it's still in like a class of its own. Yeah. In it's in its, its own. And at the same time, arena. like, I think it would be really different. I think Scott's points, right. Like it would be really different if we weren't coming off a year and a half plus of other sacrifices and things that have been made. Um, other just kind of things that people have had to cope with. So you, maybe you don't have, you know, five kids, maybe you don't have kids in school and, and every situation is so different, but I think the commonality is that everyone has kind of been through the ringer in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Um, either really strongly and crazy and involves death and serious illness or just the much more, um, the less intense, but still like consistent uh, issues that have been brought up by COVID. And so then to, to see things crop up again in a way that um, feels so heavy or to, Scott's example is the best one to be back where he was um, mm. and, and to kind of be like, it wouldn't be a big deal if there was a month of this apart from the last two years, but the last two years make this month really heavy. And so for me, I think one of the things, and one of the reasons I think it's important to talk about this as pastors and with people is because I think with that, sense of heaviness mm. whatever it looks like for you whatever your situation is and they can be very different that sense of heaviness is going to want to come out somehow in mm. some way and as human beings and as human beings who are going to constantly struggle with sin it's probably going to come out um in a way that is negative for certain people around you mm. um you're probably gonna we're all and i myself and i think everyone i know is prone to whether or not we realize it take this out on people who are around us to get more easily upset about things that are unrelated, but it turns out this is what it's about to just find the pressure and the heaviness of one more season without a lot of, uh, without a feeling of like, Oh, well, here's the day on the calendar when it ends. Um, yeah. one more season of heaviness that feels like it got turned up, not turned down. There's just so many ways to not turn to God in that to not realize how full of anxiety and, um, struggle and exhaustion that you are uh to feel like you're just reacting normally to to things that are annoying <laughs> and, and then to find out that no that this is behind a lot of that and and i think we've said it all along and even saying it again can be you know quote unquote triggering but like we need to show each other a lot of grace right now like we just yeah. really yeah. And we said that so many times. So it's kind of like, oh, oh man, totally. again? It's like, well, okay, but we should be always doing that. <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like I definitely need a lot of grace from you guys. But the, the, uh, <laughs> the word you kept saying this morning and you said over last week is tired. Yeah. Like everyone's, it's like this extra layer of tiredness. Okay. So, 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 so let's talk about this a little bit because I, I think that it'd be, 
I mean, it'd be easy for the three of us to just like everybody's doing right now, like t- just talk about that situation, right? Talk about the reality of that. I but think you're that, the only one who has COVID right now. So you, I mean, are, seriously, yeah, you can speak no, to it from experience. No, but, no, but I mean, you, you guys are, ha- have, you know, whether it's close contacts and kids sent home and, you know, just started school and, and your own tensions and family and even, even differences at being at different points, even within a marriage or within roommates, like among roommates, you know, being at feeling different ways about it. I think it's a, Great observation, Brian. I mean, even just to illustrate that. So, Laura, I mean, Laura's at work this week because it was five days after being exposed to me, she took a test, it was negative. And so she's back at work and um, she's at the, you know, a librarian at one of the elementary schools. And one of the things that she, that she, she just kept saying, you know, she's like, I, I, I try to be positive. Like, I'm just trying to, you know, just kind of encourage people along the way. And, it's just, it's so hard because everybody that I come in contact with is just like, whatever positive thing you have to say, like, there's a negative spin for it, right? There's a negative. And she said, the phrase, like, it's, she's like, it's interesting. The phrase I keep hearing over and over is, it's not right. Like, it's not mm-hmm. right that, that, that school nurses have to do that. It's not right that teachers should be doing that. It's not right that parents should be doing this. It's not right that administrators should be doing this. It's not right that my job requires this. It's not right that my job isn't doing this, you know, like, and, um, and I think we all resonate with that, right? Because again, again, that, that's that, that's that, like just the overflow of the both frustration, the um, the difficulty. Um, so in the midst of that, and in the midst of a, of a moment like this, at, as pastors, what, what does it look like to? As pastors, who have this opportunity, right, to talk with our people in that beyond recognizing the reality of it, what does it look like to uh, trust the Lord in the midst of this moment? What does it look like to, maybe maybe more specifically and maybe more helpfully, what does it look like to rest in the Lord in the midst of this moment? And also, what does it look like to learn to take the lessons of the last couple of years and turn to the Lord in light of them? Um, because while and I know, you know, this has been difficult and I, I joke, I, I more than anything joke about triggering of being sitting here in my, in the, in, in my backyard. I mean, it's, it's a little bit like emotionally weird and there's some weird moments to it at the same time. Um, the Lord's been really good and taught us a lot and taught us a lot about what it means to, to rest in him and taught us a lot about his uh, redeeming work in moments that are that are unexpected. What, uh, how would you encourage people to rest in those realities and to rest in the Lord in the midst of uh, another moment like this? Uh, I, it's a great question. And there's so many things that pop into my head all at once. Um, I think what's interesting about this situation in ways that it's always true of pastors. I think this is true of other people and kind of helping professions too. Um, but, uh, it's always true that you're sort of, you're living life while you're helping people with life, you know, like, so it's never like you're yeah, like totally. your life's figured out and then you help them like you're always, but it's in a way uniquely true through this season where like everyone's kind of going through a hard thing at the same time. So like, we're, these are things that we're learning ourselves and trying to put into action, like on the ground while we're trying to help other people. And so it's kind of interesting that way. It's like that it's true in in a way that's maybe stronger or more unique in this over the last year and a half or two years. I know for, for me, um, 
one the it's not right thing is a really interesting uh set of phrasing because this is where i think theology becomes really helpful and practical um because you start to be able to slice that in different ways that that help you because in one sense it isn't right like there are things that have guaranteed a there have been mistakes made by everyone along the way no doubt. For, at every level of leadership, at every, at every level of, of, you know, armchair quarterbacking and judgment and everything. Everyone's made mistakes. There are things that have, that have been just flat out wrong. People have made bad mistakes maybe along the way, whatever the, whether it's not whether they did or didn't, it's just what they were and how bad they were. And people are going to debate that for, you know, forever. But the point is that, yeah, there are some things about this that aren't right. Um, that should have been different. Um, in some ways, I don't know what those are, and it isn't that helpful necessarily, at least in this context, to figure them out and write them down and figure out the ratio of how not right they were. But that's a real thing. But yet, as as a Christian, there's also a way where you're much more able and you have many more resources to say, yeah, but at the same time, the world also isn't right. Um, Part of, I think, the struggle when we say this, I, I, I hesitate to say this about like these particular people who Laura's talking to, I don't know where they're coming from. I'm not trying to like, like tell them what's going on, but I think in a very general broad brush sense, a lot of the time when we feel this isn't right, we think it's not right because we think things should be right. Hmm. And there's a very natural impulse in that, that yes, in a very baseline level, they should. And yet we live in a fallen world where they're not made right yet. And so there are going to be things in life, either individual to my life or common to all of our lives where it's just bad and you can't point at any one thing and say, well, that's why it's bad. If someone had done that better, it wouldn't be bad. This is a great example of a pandemic that you can't go like, oh, well, you know, if someone had only not done the pandemic, okay, that's not how that works. Um, This is something we're suffering through together. And, And so right away, I think trusting God starts with realizing it's going to involve sometimes bad things happening that we are going to weather together and, and reckoning with the fact that those things are, they exist and they're real. And so you see the beautiful way that these resources allow you to both combine actual bad things that might have happened that are the, you can find a fault somewhere, whether it's with yourself or somebody else. And at the same time, reckon with the fact that sometimes you can't do that. Both those things can be true at the same time. And from there, you're able to say, okay, now the problem isn't that this is happening. Um, at least not all of the problem is that this is happening. The problem, sorry, that's not the right way to say it, not the problem. The, the, the main struggle is not in trying to prevent this thing from happening. Hmm. The main struggle is how do we walk through this thing that is happening? And if you can take that step, all of a sudden trusting in God becomes one of your go-to moves because you're not so occupied trying to prevent or remove this thing that is not preventable nor removable right now. And so when you find yourself in a position where you, like right now, uh, my youngest one just had his preschool canceled for the next 10 days. Um, that, that upends my life in a really significant way. Chrissy's too. Um, there's other exposure things that have happened just today. We're just like, okay, this is just going to be crazy. Um, and my, my immediate reaction is to say, why did this happen? Who made these rules? You know, who let this happen? And you can slice that a million different ways, but who, who did that? And, and the minute I go, you know what? It happened. I'm in a fallen world and it happened. So how am I going to walk through it? Now my mind is open to be able to say, God, what do you have for me in this? What, what's, what, how would you, 
how can I turn to you in this? Where it wasn't open to that before because I was so busy trying to find and assign blame and try and get rid of and move around. So that that was long-winded, but you get the idea. Like I think one of the ways we trust God is by using our un, the understanding he gives us of how the world works to actually recognize that we are in the midst of something difficult and that the main objective is not to remove that difficult thing because that's impossible. Um, while at the same time trying to ameliorate some ways that we can't help, uh, some bad things that we can't actually impact, um, we can't fix all of it. And so you immediately go, well, what, what does that mean then, God? And uh, I think immediately you you begin to, there's a lot more we could do there, but that's one, that's one thing is just recognizing that, that the limitation of being human in a fallen world. And then you begin to say, well, then God, if I can't change that, what can I, what, what can I do to turn to you in this? Mm-hmm. Oh. Now, Maddie, make, make that better. No, there's a, I, I think you're, you kept bringing up a point about just not being in control, right? Like you can't fix it. You can't snap your fingers. There's no policy. I think it's interesting throughout the pandemic. I think there's always been kind of a, a a desire to have some sort of um quick fix something that like like you snap your fingers and it like everything's solved and i i remember that impulse even really really early on just like i i just wanted to be fixed so i can go back to like having control over different things in my life and i don't like not being in control and i think maybe coming towards the end of last year in 2021 it felt like where things are more in control, you know, things. And then this feels like a, a chaos of a month and a half, right? Actually, it's less than that, three weeks. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. so yeah. fast and in so many cases and spreading everywhere. And it's like, so it feels out of control, right? Now, it feels out of control in certain ways, just in cases and the disruptions to life. But that lack of control, you know, we normally see that as a really bad thing that caught in. I think it brings up all these triggers for us, both triggers in feeling like we're back where we were you know, a year and a half ago, but also triggers in kind of reminding us in a very aggressive and confrontational way that we're out of control, that we don't have control over life, um, whether it's how schools are or work is or whatever it is, or, you know, what's expected of us and the rules keep changing and it feels just overwhelming. I think what you're describing, the word I keep coming back to is like this idea of refuge. Like in the midst of the storms of life, you take your refuge in God. And there's a kind of hiding yourself in him that stabilizes you in the midst of storms. Um, you know, I, I think it's interesting because um, there's a sense of, and maybe a teaching through the pandemic that says, okay, you hide yourself in God and you find refuge in him. And then, like, then we'll get it back together and we'll move on. I think God is teaching us in this season and maybe even like sort of the little extra teaching at the, this is sort of Omicron to me is like compared to the pandemic is like when Scott says at the end of his sermon uh, in conclusion, and then keeps going for like 15 minutes, right? Like he's like in conclusion, you know, coming to my last point. And then like, he has a lot more. The problem is all that stuff at the end is like really good, right? It's really powerful. It has a strong punch. It's like, oh, well, well, I thought this was over. Where am I at? Where to to try to save it? (laughs) I mean, I don't have to. I don't, I, I, I I could ask for, I could ask for grace after the, after the podcast, but it's sort of like, it's sort of like that feeling of like, okay, wait, I thought we were done. I thought, you know, where were we at? Where were we at? Anyways, that's funny. I I don't know why I thought of that. I thought of Scott's sermon, but the, the, the point is it's sort of like, oh, I thought we were, I thought we were at some place. I like, I need to, <laughs> the, the illustration is, 
it's, it's kind of brutal. It's but falling it's apart. Keep doing it. It's like, do it. it's like it. at Take the end of Scott's sermon, I need to find my refuge in God just to be able to get through. No, but there's a sense of like, oh, okay, we're now I can go on and do my own things. It's like, wait, hold on. God's like kind of like saying, no, 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 no. Remember, if you take anything for, if you're not going to take anything from this pandemic, remember, like you're not in control. You need to find your, hide yourself in me. You need to, you need to find your refuge in me. You need to hold on to me, even when things are calmer and everything's, um, you know, less crazy and you're thriving in life and things are clicking and everything's going well. Like, don't, don't forget because I can snap my fingers and make this happen. Like this can happen again. Like you're, you're, you're not in control of your life. And, and I think it's really powerful, a powerful image going into 2022 saying, I need to find my rest, my refuge, my comfort, my peace, my joy, my identity, my everything in him. Um, because this world and its brokenness and its fallenness is all over the place and falling apart. And I, there's actually, yeah. there was a tweet that I, um, uh, um, I really appreciated from somebody, a guy named Barry, who, said, you know, some people choose a theme word for the, the year and he's choosing a prefix and his prefix is re he's going to uh, 2022, 2022 is going to be his year to repent and rethink and restructure and renew and redefine and rebuild, recharge, revive, replace, recommission, reconnect, reestablish and rejoice. There's this sense of like, okay, I we're coming out of something, but we're also kind of still in it and coming out of it, still in it, coming out of it. I need to find myself hidden in God so that when we do get through this pandemic um, at some point in, in the future, like I'm still finding myself hiding myself in God, no matter what the circumstances of life. Yeah. You know, it, it, I think it's so interesting. I think it's both of you said so spot on. I, I feel like it um, we, we've talked a lot and I think we will be talking a lot about the bad habits that develop over the course of the last couple of years, right? How we grow out of those and things like that. Maybe, maybe even some good habits that we've adopted, but I think one of the most problematic habits I've seen, even in my own heart is the propensity to try to wait it out. The false hope of waiting it out. Yeah. Right. Like the false hope of waiting. And I think it started early in the pandemic and then every time something else happened, we're like, oh, okay, just a little bit more. Like, let's just wait it out a little bit more. And then things as if like the world wasn't fallen before 2020. Right. Right. As if, um, that everything went sideways, that everything was good and now it's bad and then it needs to get good. And, it, and if we just wait it out, it'll get good again. And I, I just, I think that's a, it's just such a huge false hope. And I think that actually the current moment in a lot of ways exposed, exposes that in my heart, my heart, right. The, the, this propensity to like, well, wait, I was waiting it out and I waited it out. And yeah. now we're supposed to be on the other side of this. <laughs> like, what, the, now. what the heck? Yeah. Um, so, okay. So I've got, I, I've got just a couple last questions for you since we've only got 30 minutes left, Matt. Just a couple of last questions. <laughs> um, hey, that was a nice poll. Do you, do you, you can th just tell everybody, <laughs> tell everybody right now. We can have, we can hash it out right now. Is that not something you do? It's a hundred percent true. Okay. All right. All right. Just making sure, you know, I don't, this is a hundred percent. I'm not lobbying some sort of, uh, I, um, I, unreasonable. I, my, my introductions last 15 to 20 minutes. And then I say, now let's turn to the passage. And then my conclusions last 15 to 20 minutes after I say, finally, which means my, my explanation <laughs> of the passage is usually about three minutes <laughs> after I've finished the conclusion and then go into finally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, 
That's why I said right. so much good stuff is at that fine at the end of the final. It is. It is. Yeah. All right. So finally, um, what? What's, <laughs> what, what's, no one's gonna listen anymore. You said finally. Finally on a podcast is worse. You say finally on a podcast. Uh, I was like, all right, all right, we're done. We're done. No, finally in, in the middle of what, this podcast. What do you have to say next? I, I it's it's not a finally. <laughs> um, what's what's what one? I, I'm gonna kind of put you on the spot here, but what's one verse or passage of scripture? That if someone was saying like, hey, I, I am feeling like upended by this moment. I'm feeling like I'm uh, I'm really having a hard time. And this is you know, come out of nowhere. It's, it's disrupted me. I, I, it has uh, triggered all sorts, sorts of emotional things I wasn't expecting. Um, obviously, there's no one size fits all anything. But if somebody was like, I don't even know. Like, I don't know where to start. And they were just looking for somewhere to open up and turn their Bible. One step better than like Bible roulette and just flying it open and putting your finger down. What's one place you would encourage them to turn to? I mean, uh, the one that pops into my head is kind of a weird one. Um, no, that's what I want. I just want whatever pops into your yeah, head. Yeah, because it's not – so, like, like if, if you're asking where's one place to go for, like, comfort – um, not necessarily just, no, I know. Like, like yeah. I mean, I, I would go to like Psalm, maybe Psalm 46 for me is always, God is our refuge and strength. And it gets real crazy at the end God of that song. Like he's breaking bows and like shattering spears and burning chariots of fire. Like, like the, it, it's, it meets the moment in a way that that first line doesn't necessarily, um, do. So like you read through that Psalm all the way and you go, man, it, it gets really heavy and God is heavier still. Um, but one of the things for me that like the thing that popped into my head immediately was really enough james four um why are there quarrels and fights among you is it not because your passions wage war within you and there's a way that i know for me at least internally i am waging a kind of war against the situation i'm in um like i'm i am quarreling with covid internally and there's a way that like externally of <laughs> yeah. course we're fighting yeah, yeah. this and like that's all it's yeah. all well and good it's not about your passion but like the, the i think for a lot of us too i think that there's a way that your internal fight with your circumstances also brings out why is that happening like well a lot of that at least for me right now you know I me mean, i want to qualify that to death but the, the main point is it's because you have these desires in you that are contrary to what's actually right and good and best even for you mm. um and until we figure those out we end up being unkind to other people and we end up being short and impatient we end up taking things out on others or ourselves just kind of locking God out of our situation um, because those passion, those inner desires for what we think we want and what is best for us and are, are going unmet in a way that if we were God of the universe, we would judge and reject. Hmm. And so it just leads to these, to these things where we, yeah, we, we, I think we just take it out on in ways that we shouldn't. And, what I think is important to say there is, and even as I'm listening alone to the rest of the podcast um, that we've put down, you know, there's, there's a way we just talked about this in our, in our other meeting this morning, but like, there's a way of going, okay, you're not in control. This reveals that um, you need to rethink that uh, you, why are you upset? Your passions are waging more with you. There's a way of taking that. And what you hear is you're not doing good enough. Um, do better yeah like here, there's yeah. one more here's one more thing that is awful about your situation turns out it's you um and and, and some people like thrive on that some people go like oh yeah conviction and but it's really short-lived um and it sounds kind of awesome and strong and big response no no, no I'm, 
but it, it doesn't work. It, it's backbreaking. And, yeah. and when you're already exhausted. And so I think it's helpful to remember that when God writes things in scripture for his people, it's from his tenderness. Um, even his discipline is from his tenderness. And that it's, he's being very tender towards us right now, even in circumstances that are very difficult for us. Mm-hmm. And so when, when I bring that verse up, it's not out of, oh man, we all need to be doing better. It's because there's a tenderness in being shown who you really are and what's really motivating you and what you're really struggling with and realizing that those struggles aren't usually like righteous. They're actually kind of ugly and selfish and self-centered um, and don't take others into account and really think of yourself as way more significant than other people, even than God. And, and, and it's tender to be shown that only then to be loved um, and, to be, and to be grown from that into something else because he cares about you. And that's what I think this season can be for us and why I think it's important to talk about it because if we just let ourselves sit in those passions and never look at them and never see them for what they are. And I always assume that, well, other people are just being annoying, more annoying than usual. And these policies are more annoying or this, this pandemic is just too, it, it's, it's going on too far or even into some really difficult you know, suffering that can go on in, in this time. If we never actually look inside at the tenderness of God revealing who we are, we never we stay where we are and we don't get to experience that love and kindness and grace and wholeness. And so I think there's, there's something there, but for that. We, yeah, we definitely have to, you have to kind of be honest in this moment. It's hard when you're already feel tired and beaten down. And um, I think everyone's at each other's throats and there's a, a truth to the fact that we are, I feel like, I annoy myself more now than <laughs> normal, which is the normal part of life for me, but it's maybe heightened in this time. Um, I think pairing that sort of that honesty of saying what's causing a lot of this, it's like, oh, there's, there's stuff going on in my heart that needs to be dealt with. There's a reality to my brokenness. It's not just the world that's broken. It's me that's broken also. And then pairing maybe something like James four. I I went to Hebrews four with the idea of since then we have a great high priest, let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need to be able to go from make that transition from that honest look at ourselves and what's where our hearts have been miscalibrated and um, maybe turned selfish or fixated on other people's failures rather than uh, honestly assessing our own uh, struggles in this season. And then to say, to take that gaze from our own struggles and then turn it to Christ who can sympathize with the weaknesses that we've experienced and understands and looks at you and says, I understand my son, I understand my daughter, and then invites you, and maybe this is where we get to the missional hospitality side, invites you to that throne of grace uh, without hesitancy, without um, qualification, and says, come find mercy, come find grace for help in this time of need. Um, I will renew you, I will restore you, I will wash you clean and make you new. And that pivot and that change, that sort of transition, that whole, I mean, that's what it means to believe and live the gospel, right? Is to, to walk that path um, in this season. 
um, day after day after day. So it's also interesting, the immediacy of that. Like, I think there's a way, there's a natural way to hear that and to say, yes, so, so there's a tenderness in it. There's a sympathy and a compassion in it for me from God. And my big problem is I'm going somewhere else and not going there. And that, that's true in one sense. Um, but what's interesting to me is how immediately God works when he opens us up that way. Like it, it just to cop to the fact that you've been white knuckling like your life and your comfort and different things that you're just really tense and taut as you walk through life that yeah. you're, you know, you're strung really tightly. Um, and it feels like your circumstances are pulling you tighter and tighter and tighter just to, to open up and say, I just have these things in me that I feel like I need that aren't being met. And a lot of those aren't actually that attractive. The minute you say that all of a sudden you find yourself immediately just breathing more deeply and oddly more relaxed. It's not like now I go climb this other mountain to get myself into a place where I get God's sympathy and now I'm fine. There's something about that turn just that openness that is, I, I would say it's actually God's spirit working things like repentance into you. He doesn't, he's not stingy with this stuff. He doesn't like wait until you get it just right and then show up. Like he's there for every small bit that you just un, uncurl your hands around these things that you've been kind of worshiping without realizing it and just go, I just hate this right now. I, I hate the situation I'm in. I, 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 the honesty begets, I think, a presence um, when you're a Christian. And I think there's a way that it's, it's helpful to know that, mm -hmm. that you're not, you need to go seek after those things too. It's not like, well, just don't worry about it. Just be honest. Everything's fine. But there's something about just un, unclenching your fists um, mm -hmm. that can really allow you all of a sudden to look around at everyone else and go, man, we are all struggling, um, which was an attitude you did not have before you got honest. Yeah. When you were not honest, you were all strung up and like tight and, and ready to lash out. And you had all these opinions that you had to get out there and you got to say them and you got to do it. And everyone's not getting it right. And it, it just, the minute you calm that it's amazing what God does. And I feel like that's just, that's the move. The move is just honesty. And then it's amazing to be mad that that passage comes immediately on the heels of the rest that there is yet for the people of God. Mm -hmm. um, like there's just so much in the Bible about rest and calm. And it all comes from this honest admission of, I just don't have this together. And I have so many things I want that I don't have. And I'm frustrated. <laughs> just copying to that does this, these amazing things. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so helpful. It's so encouraging to me. So, you know, the, the passage that comes to mind, that came to mind for me was, was Psalm 1. And in some ways, for similar reasons, I, I think that there's a, in some ways, People may feel like, well, I, I was going to start a bunch of things and I haven't been able to start anything because I'm trying to like, you know, figure out, hey, if you want to start something, like walking through the Psalms. If you haven't started anything yet, you know, just like, if I want to point you somewhere, just start. And, and starting with Psalm 1, um, it's similarly, the thing I love about Psalm 1 is, is it's, it's an invitation into the Psalms. It's an invitation into the Word of God. It's an invitation into God himself. And that's why I feel like just personally, I am gravitated back there so often where he's, he's, he's inviting you in to find your sustenance and to find your hope, to find your rest in him. And, you know, in, in an interesting current way, you know, he says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of scoffers. 
you know, when I when I think about scoffers, I I I was I was just picturing this chorus, this this societal chorus of this isn't right. This isn't right. You know, and that you're chanting it with the person next to you, even though you disagree about what's not right. Right. <laughs> you, you don't even agree about what's not right. But like we're all like chanted this together. But and I'm not talking about lament. I'm not talking about crying out to God. Lord, I don't know what to do. But I'm just talking about like like filling my mind and my conversation with others with this kind of like scoffing complaint. Where in the midst of that temptation, I think which we all feel, he says, but the blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Right? It's this, it's this coming to and feeding on the words of God. It's like he's like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields fruit in its seasons and its leaf does not wither. Well, how, how do we not wither? It's by being continually um, resting in the source, continually fed by the source, right? The source of of life, the source of love. And so um, that's that. Anyways, that's really helpful. You guys, I hope that's an encouragement to our people as well. Um, We we are kind of running up on, on time. I don't want to make this episode too long, but before we go, um, I do want to answer the question why we went ahead and started a series on missional hospitality with all this going on. I think there's a, there's a way in which a week ago we could have said, oh, you know what? It's too crazy. We, we shouldn't be talking about being the light of the world right now. We just, you know, should encourage people to, um, to, in a sense, hunker down and we'll wait out till the other side of this and then talk about being the light of the world and, 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 and what, and, and that, that call. Um, we'll, we'll talk about this maybe in more detail in, uh, in our next episode. Maybe we'll record it on Sunday, but Brian, if, if I were going to ask you that question, why, why this series, why now, and how do you see the timing of all of this as providential, not some huge mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Those aren't mutually exclusive. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a good question. Um, and there's a lot of different ways to answer it. But I think one of the more powerful ones is that um, when we talk about missional hospitality and how we plan the series to talk about it is not um, as this, this activity that we really want to increase. Um, you know what, we, we really want to get better at being hospitable, getting people in our homes. We think that's an evangelistic um, idea that's a good one. Um, and so we really need to improve in that, uh, which is a weird thing to do when, you know, there's a surge of a very contagious, you know, virus variant. <laughs> that, that would be harder. Um, though I think we'd agree that it is a really cool evangelistic thing to do. And we should, I think when we talk about missional hospitality, we're talking about it in a much deeper way. Um, where hospitality by definition is something is a kind of inviting people into your life um, that is a direct result of the way God has invited you into his. And so to talk about missional hospitality is to begin. And what we're going to do on Sunday is to begin by talking about God's welcome of us and the kind of rest that that provides. 
And so, Scott, you know, on Sunday, you were talking about kind of the dual, the weird tension of the situation we find ourselves in, where on the one hand, it's obvious that as a church, we are incredibly healthy. Like there's just so much health and so many good things and, and, and God's work in the lives of people over the last couple of years. And it's like, well, we can't like hoard that. Yeah, you know, it's weird, weird not to act on that. Well, simultaneously, we all feel so exhausted and kind of at the end and a little bit underwater in various ways to various degrees. Those both exist at the same time. And to talk about missional hospitality is to talk about how we get invited into God's rest and his blessings in a way that treats our exhaustion and confusion and sin. Um, and that that kind of naturally works its way out into inviting other peoples into our lives in a way that we can connect them with him so that their exhaustion and confusion and sin can be treated in a small way by us, but in a real way by him. Hmm. And so it kind of feels perfect to me right now. Like what I need the most right now, and I think what a lot of us need is to take a few weeks and dwell on the hospitality of God, not just his theoretical love for us, but here's how he has brought us into his home, into his household, and is continuing to provide for us in a variety of ways, especially spiritually, when we feel exhausted. That's what hospitality was in the Old Testament, right? It was people, people in this nom these nomadic peoples, when some, a stranger showed up, they were tired, they needed water, they needed food, they needed a place to stay because they were at their limit. And so hospitality was you saying, come into my home, come drink my water, come have my food, can be refreshed by my things. And so for God to be talked about as someone who's hospitable towards us is exactly what we need right now. Mm. But that doesn't really pencil if we just keep it to ourselves. Um, it, doesn't, mm. it doesn't work, it doesn't track, the, the river gets stopped up um, and, it, and it gets stagnant in these really weird ways and you stop being able to enjoy God's welcome. And so you can't, you have to finish the whole swing. You gotta talk about all of it and I really think that the next, you know, several months, even with the COVID stuff, and at this point, I'm, I never was one to forecast, but I'm not, not even close to forecasting right now with any kind of definitive idea. But it sure seems like as I try and pay attention, that um, there might be a way that we find ourselves hearing about God's hospitality towards us when things are at their craziest COVID wise, and then hearing about our ability to enjoy his hospitality by extending it in a time when things maybe are actually more amenable to that. And how amazing would that be? Who knows? Hmm. But that's why I think this is a, this is good timing. Hmm. Yeah. I'm so thankful for that. I'm really excited about the coming weeks and um, both in the, in the sense of the sermon series and also in the work that the Lord's going to continue to do in the life of our church family. I think, I think we tend to assume that, that, that experiencing God's hospitality and showing his hospitality to the world, you know, like, like enjoying the, the warmth and comfort and rest of, of experiencing him as the light of the world and being the light of the world are like a zero sum game, right? Like either you're doing one or the other, uh, but that's not the way God works, right? He, um, anyways, you'll talk about it this week. I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, he, but he, <laughs> he, he, he overflows our, our cups, right? Mm -hmm. He, he fills us in a way that overflows our cups to the world around us and, um, excited to, continue to meditate on that and, and learn and experience that together. So, um, we'll, we'll talk about a little bit more about that hopefully this weekend, but, um, any last thoughts before we, uh, close up? I'm just excited. I'm excited for this series. I'm excited for 2022. I think God's going to do great things and, um, looking forward to, uh, Looking forward to seeing all the all the ways that God bears fruit out of this series. 
Mm. Yeah. And for those who are, those who are kind of wearing it right now and maybe don't even realize it, just know from, from us as pastors and our, our job is to communicate the word of God to you. That's what we we're, we're you know, here to do that. We know you're tired. Um, but God has not forsaken you and he's not, um, he is not, uh, on the other side of some door you have yet to walk through, um, because you haven't done the right things or handled COVID the right way. He's, he's in this with you and we're in it with each other. And so I think let's be the kind of family that knows that the fruit of the spirit apply maybe more, especially now than when things are quote unquote normal. Um, because he's communicating all of that love, joy, peace, patience to us. He never stopped. And so you can be honest, you can cop to all the struggle and, and maybe the selfishness too. Um, and he's there for it. That's, that's what he does and what he's like. And you may be tired, but he's not. Yeah. Mm. Every night before I go to sleep, one of the things mm. Christy and I, we have a little written prayer. And one of the, one of the, one of the pieces of it is watch over us while we sleep because you, you are always awake to care for us. Um, that's never been more true now. He's not dealing with COVID. He exists outside of this and steps into it with us. Um, he's not tired mm. and, and he, he cares about you in it. So rest assured, you know, with, with one of the other uh, prayers in the, in the book of common prayer, it talks about after the prayer of, uh, of confession, it talks about God forgiving and cleansing us from all our sins. Uh, so we might have a, a, a serve you with a quiet mind. Give us pardon and peace. We might serve you with a quiet mind in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I think our minds are very loud right now and our hearts are loud. Uh, rest assured. God, God, God is here to quiet your mind in him. And I think there's, um, yeah, I, you, you could, I mean, we could all keep going on these sorts of things, but I just, I want to just really over communicate God's care and presence for people right now in a way that calms you and calms your soul and gives you that kind of, um, inner rest in the midst of outer turmoil. Um, no matter how much you are whipped up inside, um, he hasn't stopped being who he is and he cares deeply for you so good it's so good thank you guys thanks for that reminder and thank you all for listening know that we love you we're with you in this and excited for what the lord has uh, in store ahead we love you we'll see you on sunday